Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. You know, I guess I think I've always been a professional critic, you know, or some sort of professional appreciator or something. This is serious business here, man. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. All year long, we go through stacks and stacks of CDs and files upon files of MP3s, and today's the day we separate the wheat from the chaff. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis of Vocalo.org. Today, Greg and I will present our picks for the best albums of 2010. Stay tuned to hear our lists and compare them with yours. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions. And time now for some music news. Greg, I know you know and love that song. It is Lou Reed's Perfect Day being sung by Susan Boyle because, let's face it, nothing says holidays like that wonderfully depressing epic Berlin. You might remember a while back there was this controversy. Lou Reed didn't want to let Susan Boyle sing that song. Susan cried foul. Lou apologized. Now he helped, quote-unquote, conceptualize her video for that tune. It is part of a number one album on the Billboard chart as we close out 2010. From time to time, we like to take a look at what is on the top of the Billboard album chart just because it always kind of blows our mind. And that certainly does. Susan Boyle's The Gift sold 272,000 records last week to claim the number one spot. It was a big upset because people thought that the Black Eyed Peas new album, The Beginning, was going to debut at number one. And they have had an extraordinary chart run over the last couple of years actually bettering the Beatles in some chart statistics. But no, Susan Boyle is back, appealing to people who love that voice. There's no doubt that Susan Boyle is at the top of the Billboard pop chart right now, Jim. 272,000 sales. When you look at it at this time of year, that is peanuts by comparison to what those number one albums would have sold a decade ago. Holiday season, biggest time of year for the record industry in terms of album sales. 272,000 figure would have been about... Number 20, yeah, say 10 it, years Yeah, it used ago. to take more than a million to hit the top 10. It's a supposedly a busy time of year. So you have to ask yourself, is this Billboard chart truly a measure of who are the most popular artists in the world right now? And Billboard itself has answered that question in the last few weeks by introducing a new chart called the Social 50. So instead of just going by record sales and radio airplay, which is the way they measured popularity in the 20th century, they've introduced a whole new set of criterion. How many friends, fans, and followers does this artist have? How many page views on their websites? How many weekly song plays through streaming on Internet sites do they have? It's a whole new way of interacting with artists. 
Who are the artists that fans are actually talking about, listening to, and interacting with online? That's what this chart is supposed to measure. So we've got a new top five as far as the social 50 is concerned. We've got Rihanna on top, Justin Bieber, Eminem, Lady Gaga, Nicki Minaj. Some pretty popular names, no doubt about it. They do sell a lot of records. But in terms of social interaction, they're ahead of the Black Eyed Peas and Susan Boyle. Also, you've got to look at the next level of artists on this chart, Jim. We're talking about artists like Girl Talk, Widespread Panic, Robin, the Black Keys, Chromio, who are hugely popular with their fan base, who consistently tour to sold-out shows at theaters around the country, but don't get a lot of airplay and don't sell a lot of traditional records through retail stores, but yet are hugely popular because of their social interaction with their fans. So I think, finally, Billboard is stepping up to the 21st century with the social 50, and I think we're going to have a new and more relevant way to measure artist popularity going forward. Wanted man in California, wanted man in Buffalo, wanted man in Kansas City, wanted man in Ohio, wanted man in Mississippi, wanted man That is the one and only man in black, Johnny Cash, singing the Bob Dylan tune, Wanted Man, at that famous 1969 concert at San Quentin Prison. Greg, you remember that show. It's a great record. An incredible photograph that came out of it. In the middle of the set, Cash leaned over and gave the middle finger to a photographer. He's snarling. He's sneering. (laughs) It would later be used as an advertisement to sell the last recordings of his career. It's a poster in a million dorm rooms. What is he wearing? This wonderful blue embroidered jumpsuit. Now that suit, that actual piece of clothing, just caused a bidding war at a memorabilia auction, bringing in ten times what it was expected to fetch. They figured it was going to go for about $5,000. No, a collector from Belgium paid fifty grand, And I think wow. he got a bargain, especially if you consider the prices that some other pieces of rock memorabilia have been getting or, or were expected to get lately. Now, at the time of this recording, there was an auction at Sotheby's going to take place for the handwritten lyrics by Dylan, speaking of Dylan, for times they are changing, expected to get two hundred dollars to $300,000. John Lennon? in April 1966, wrote the lyrics to I'm Only Sleeping on the back of a telephone bill a couple of days before the Beatles went in to begin recording Revolver. That was expected to get 350,000 pounds. And Michael Jackson's sequin glove, just one of them, recently sold at auction for $330,000. Compared to those kind of prices, $50,000 for Cash's famous finger jumpsuit it is, is a steal. <laughs> it's a steal. It is the holiday season, and, you know, I'm thinking about the rock souvenir that I'd like to get for, As a for Christmas the holidays. Present? Yeah, and I think our listeners should, too. What rock souvenir would you want, and how much would you pay for it? For me, it's got to be that uh, Augie Myers Vox Continental Oregon that he played on all those classic hits for the Sir Douglas Quintet in the 60s. You know, as Sound Opinions fans probably already know, I would kill for an original Ludwig Vistalite orange drum set as played by John Bonham. Tell us your rock souvenir and how much you would pay for it. Give us a call at 888-859-1800 or email us at interact at soundopinions.org.
that music can mean only one thing, Jim. It is that time of year, the ultimate Sound Opinions experience, our top albums of the year. We're going to run them down in the next few minutes. And i got to tell you, you know, people always ask us, how do you pick the top albums? What are your criteria? For me, very simple. These are the records I keep returning to over and over again, the ones I listen to the most, my favorite records. I have no rhyme or reason in terms of I've got to pick one from this genre and another one from that genre. I've got to represent all sides of the pop spectrum. I've got to look at what everybody else said so I can have a representative sampling of what Pitchfork said was number one or Rolling Stone or Spin. I don't care about any of that stuff. The stuff that I care about is, did these records bring me pleasure this year? What ones brought me the most pleasure? And I'm going to rank them accordingly, and that's it. As always, Greg, when we go back and forth like this on a show like this, we flip a coin. I think in honor of the holiday, why don't we choose our favorite uh, holiday cartoon character, one on each side? Got to be Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer for me. I'm going with Heat Miser from that Rankin and Bass classic. (laughs) Year Without a Santa Claus. The coin is in the air. Heat miser it is. That means I get to go first, Greg. We do not compare notes before we tape this show until immediately before we tape this show, Mm -hmm. so we don't have overlap. This is, in the history of our relationship, only the second or third time, depending on how you count, where we both have the same number one record. What are the others? In 2008, you and I both picked Nick Cave's record that year. In now, this this is why there's some question. In 2001, I picked Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Mm-hmm. That was the year it was floated on the net. In 2002, you picked it because that was the year it was officially released. Right. So we both picked it, but in different years. And then you have to go back all the way to 1994 before that. We both voted for Flaming Lips transmissions from the Satellite Heart. Right. So uh, this is quite a year. We've got a ways to go to get to number one. At number six on my list, Greg, I have Kid Cudi, Man on the Moon 2, The Legend of Mr. Rager. One of my least favorite album titles of the year, just because hmm. it's so wordy, but one of my favorite albums. Cleveland-born, Brooklyn-based rapper Scott Ramon Seguro Muscuti is nothing less than one of the most important and creative new voices in hip-hop today. Killer concept album released last year, here, an even stronger one. He promised us that it would be a lot more rock. Indeed, it is. But it's the concept and the pacing of this record that really puts it over the top for me. He's drawing inspiration from his battle with cocaine addiction. And as a result, he builds this five-act journey that I think moves from that sense of anxious anticipation to the sudden intoxicating rush to a very, very hard crash and then an increasingly desperate sense of panic about being trapped within this cycle with just a little hope at the end for redemption. All over the musical map, sampling rock and R&B and soul, psychedelic, funk music, it's extraordinary. This guy's creativity knows no bounds and I think he's going great places. This is a song called These Worries. It features the great Mary J. Blige contributing some vocals. Here's Kid Cudi from my uh, number six album of 2010, Man on the Moon 2, The Legend of Mr. Rager, on Sound Opinions. Yeah, the crazy, the wizard, so much whiskey all in my liver. I really like the punch it delivers, makes me warm while I high-five sinners. All alone trying to hide from the shadows. No use, it seems everywhere they follow. They know where I be at. Check my mind, trying to get me, trying to get me, trying to get me.
yeah, the rage of the menace. Hate me now, then hate me when I'm winning. Work so hard to not go insane. It's a full-time job to not lose my faith. Okay, I've been here before, alone for the umpteenth time or more. I'm tired of moths, I'm saying that they worry about me. When in fact, they probably never gave a fuck about me. These Worries by Kid Cudi with Mary J. Blige. Number six on my list, his album, Man on the Moon 2. Greg, where are you starting with your list? Well, good choice on Kid Cudi, Jim. I'm going to go with an artist that I've had a chance to watch develop over the last couple of years. She started out as pretty much a solo folky type act, just a voice and guitar on stage. I'm talking about Sharon Van Etten. And emerged with this really wonderful album this year called Epic, with a lowercase e. She's sort of a little play on words there because the idea is to create a more epic sound for her. But she didn't go overboard with it, and that's what I love about it. So the growth and development of this artist, both sonically and lyrically, has been a real eye-opener for me. One of my favorite records of the year for that reason. Reminds me a lot of some of that late 80s 4AD stuff, uh, the 4AD label out of England. They were putting out records by bands like Lush and Throwing Muses that were just wonderfully ghostly atmospheric records with these kind of gauzy guitars behind them. She gets a similar kind of sound. Brian McTeer did a great job on the production of this, a guy out of Philadelphia. You know, a little background of guitars, pedal steel, even a harmonium creating this atmosphere around her, but it's really about that voice and the guitar in these songs. She's coming out of the bad side of a relationship and looking into the light by the end of this record, so that sort of growth personally is a really stunning thing to see happen as well. That first record was a really depressing one. It was kind of a bedroom record, and she was talking about this really horrible relationship that she was experiencing, and now this record is sort of coming out of that relationship and into a a new period for her life, and it's exciting to here. It's Sharon Van Etten. Here's a song from Epic. It's called Peace Signs on Sound Opinions.
that's from my number five album of the year from Sharon Van Etten. The album is called Epic. The song is called Peace Signs. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, more of the best albums of the year. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and we are running down our favorite albums of 2010. That is one of my top ten albums from a group called Warpaint, The Fool. And you can see our complete list by going to soundopinions.org. And meanwhile, we have Jim DeRogatis with his next pick. Jim, what do you got? Thank you, Greg. Next up on my list is the great Charlotte Gainsbourg, who put out an album early this year called IRM. That is the French abbreviation for what we would call in America the emergency room. Gainsbourg is the daughter of Serge Gainsbourg, that legendary French musician, popular in the 60s and 70s, whose frequent duet partner, the British actress Jane Birkin, they'd go back and forth and do these kind of sexy, saucy duets, right? They were the the European version of Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood, if you will. Charlotte is their daughter. There are hints in her music of the, the dad's kind of dark pop, smoky jazz conversational vocal thing but there's a lot of other elements as well this is the record where it all comes together for her produced by beck it is melancholy electronic folk rock in the mode of his sea change album but there's something else as well there's a strength and self-assurance in her vocal delivery it's a limited but very distinctive voice and it marks her as 100 percent her own artist especially as she's really finding catharsis in talking about singing about the experience of recovering from this brain injury nearly fatal as a result of a water skiing accident 
not a cheerful, sunny album, but extraordinarily powerful art. Here is Charlotte Gainsbourg from IRM with a song called Vanities on Sound Opinions. That is Vanities from Charlotte Gainsbourg's album IRM, one of Jim DeRogatis' top albums of the year. I'm going to go for my number four album of the year from a Swedish pop singer named Robin Body Talk. This is the third of three albums that she released in 2010, sort of a culmination of those three records, a greatest hits, if you will. I'd like to see her day planner for this year. She sure was busy. Didn't take any time off, was on the road a lot. Spectacular live show to go with these great records. A really big year for this fine artist. She's been around since the 90s, kind of started out in that teen pop brigade from that era and really grew up in in the last five or six years, Uh, formed her own label, started making more adventurous brand of pop music. And I don't use that term lightly. It has been a big year for pop. When you look at the biggest success stories of the last year or so, you're looking at groups like the Black Eyed Peas and Katy Perry, who I really think take a condescending view of the market that they are attempting to reach, that teen pop market the kind of music they make is basically switch your brain off, you know, dance to these beats, and everything will be fine. Well, Robin wants it all. She wants those great dance beats, but she also wants to give you a little food for thought as well. And the diversity of the music on these records speaks to that ambition. We're talking about everything from just the voice with a string section. We're talking about a collaboration with Snoop Dogg that actually comes across pretty well, a playful version of gangster rap. And and this song, which I think is just a classic dance single with some deeper tribulations going on underneath that make it worth listening to on headphones as well as on the dance floor. It's a track from her latest album, Body Talk. It's called Dancing on My Own from Robin on Sound Opinions. Somebody said you got a new friend. 
That is Dancing on My Own from Robin on Sound Opinions, Body Talk on Greg Cott's Top Ten List. I love that record, too. Greg, I am up to number four in my countdown to uh, both of our number ones this year. This is not on your list, I know, anywhere. Not in the top 100, but (laughs) I love this record. King Knight, the first full-length album by a formerly Chicago, now Traverse City, Michigan-based trio called Salem as in the home of the witch trials. Now, people have called this music Witch House. They've coined all sorts of other odd names for it. It is sort of uncategorizable, in my opinion. It's dense, it's difficult, it's sludgy, but it's sexy and very, very cool. Simultaneously alienating and seductive. There's trip-hop in the mix, there's gothic, dark wave music, there is classical choral music, southern hip-hop, crunk, electronic pop, It all goes into this unholy blender and makes me want to run naked through the woods, doing horrible pagan things, sacrificing goats to the dark forces below. Here is a track from Salem's King Knight on Sound Opinions. That is Salem from King Knight on Sound Opinions, my uh, fourth favorite album of 2010. Mr. Cott, making our way to number one, what have you got next? You're really scaring me there, Jim. Boy, the, the goat sacrifice, that might be going a little far. Well, you know, it's just in theory. It says I'm just <laughs> okay, uh, evoking right. what it makes me feel like. No, no animals were hurt in the <laughs> taping of this Sound Opinions or in 2010 by either of us. Thank you. We don't want PETA knocking at our door. 
This next record, Jim, I think got slept on by a lot of writers this year, and perhaps for good reason. Neil Young, I'm talking about, perhaps because he he's not perceived as making his classic records anymore. You know, it's past him. I, I disagree with that idea completely. I think Young has been erratic, but he's made several good records over the last decade, and I think this may be the best one of the bunch. Lenoise, basically a solo record, guitar and voice, went into Daniel Lenoir's studio and knocked off a bunch of tracks that he says are folk metal. He coined the term folk metal to describe exactly the sound that he was going for. And the quote I love the best when I talk to Young about this record is that Daniel Lenoir made my guitar sound like God. Hmm. Uh, it, It was this rapturous, voluptuous sound that he got, tones on top of microtones, and basically creating almost an orchestra-like effect for that one guitar. And at the heart of it, these folk songs that Neil Young has been writing since the 60s, kind of very heartfelt songs about the state of the world. Very underrated lyrically, I think, uh, but a very poignant statement about where he is personally as a man in his 60s and about his view of where the world is right now and and looking back at his life. Some personal confessions about his drug use and about his marriage that we haven't heard from him before, ever. Powerful stuff, and then combined with that epic huge guitar sound that he gets on this record. I think it is one of the most moving records he's, he's made in a good long while. It's Lenoise from Neil Young, and the track is Walk With Me on Sound Opinions. I feel your love I feel your strong love I feel the patience of unconditional
that is Walk With Me by Neil Young from Les Noise on Sound Opinions. Number three on Greg Cott's top ten list. I made my list, Greg, at number 19. You can check out our lists in their entirety or share your best of 2010 list if you go to soundopinions.org. To leave a comment on the air, call our hotline, 888-859-1800, or email us at interact at soundopinions.org, or go to Facebook, or go to Twitter. We'll be back in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX with the number one album of 2010. Sound Opinions. I'm Jim Deergatis. He's Greg Cott, and that is the band Best Coast, the wonderful California pop trio, whose album is in my top ten, but not in my top five. You and I are honing in on number one, Greg, as we run down our favorite albums of the year, and I am at number three, The Lady Killer by CeeLo Green. Born in Atlanta, Thomas DiCarlo Calloway, what a character. Most people know him as the voice behind what I think is the number one single of the last decade. Crazy. You gotta love that song. But there's more to him than that collaboration with Danger Mouse in Gnarls Barkley. He's been making solo albums for a long time. Talk about being slept on. A lot of people have overlooked those records. They know his early rap career. They know the Danger Mouse, Gnarls Barkley stuff. This is an extraordinary record. This is a great psychedelic soul pop classic beginning to end Wonderful. There's always just a little something off about CeeLo, a little bit of madness in his magic, so that even when he's singing a wonderful, downright, gushing love song like the one I'm going to play, you just get the suspicion that he's about to go off in some way. Even when there's the Motown, Stax Volt, or even James Bond soundtrack homages that, that populate this record, there's also just a little bit of craziness, a little bit of futurism, a little bit of gonzo. That's what I love about him. I, I, I'm crazy about this record. This is the song Wildflower by CeeLo on Sound Opinions. Who shall I be when I'm good? She made a 
That is Wildflower by CeeLo from The Lady Killer, my number three album of 2010. And Greg, where are you going next? Jim, I'm going to Montreal for my next pick, my number two album of the year, The Besnard Lakes with The Besnard Lakes Are the Roaring Night. It's their third album. I've loved this band all along, but I think they've really hit a peak with this album in particular. Combining two sounds that I really love, that big, epic, dense, My Bloody Valentine-like guitar roar, with the orchestral splendor of 60s Brian Wilson slash Beach Boys, those epic melodies with those epic guitars. I can't get enough of that sound. What I do appreciate about this record is that Jace Lasik and Olga Gorias take their time with it. They really let these tracks evolve. They're not just writing traditional three-minute pop songs. Some of these songs are stretching to eight, nine minutes. Their patience in letting that sound develop over a longer period And it's really rewarded if you stick with it. It's not like you're going to get that instant payoff all the time, but if you stick with these tracks, you you are definitely going to get it by the end. So they're almost taking an orchestral or a symphonic approach to rock music. I think they're one of the best rock bands working today. They've certainly been building up to this moment over the last decade, and I think they've really nailed it with the Besner Lakes or the Roaring Night. I'm going to play a track called Albatross from the Besner Lakes on Sound Opinions. Just 
My number two album of the year, that's Albatross from the Besnard Lakes, are the Roaring Nights. What do you got next, Jim? At number two on my list, Greg, is Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, the fifth album from this Chicago superstar producer, rapper, and very annoying public figure, (laughs) frequent tweeter. How many adjectives we can throw Kanye's way? I'm going to ask you one more time, if you didn't hear our review a while back, Forget everything you think you know about Kanye West. Is he a jerk? Is he an egotist? Is he annoying as heck? Yeah, that doesn't matter. Let's separate the art from the artist. Listen to this record. It is an incredibly layered, subtle, nuanced, melodically irresistible, rhythmically invigorating, soulful self-examination of a guy who knows he's screwed up. In a lot of ways, I think he is indicative of Generation Y. It's all about me, me, me all the time, but he doesn't think he's God's gift to the universe, despite the way he sometimes behaves in public. He's realizing, you don't like me, I don't really like me a lot of times. <laughs> and he's talking about this, unprecedented if you think about it, in rock and roll, in, in hip-hop especially, in pop music. How many times do you hear people outside of the folk realm really saying, I'm screwed up and I don't like myself? You know, I guess there's emo. But Kanye is so much more fun than emo. When he is ranging far and wide, throwing in samples of King Crimson and, and, and ripping off Black Sabbath melodies and really inserting... Of this personality, unlike any we've ever seen in the pop spectrum. Guy's a genius. You can't take that away from him. When all this other stuff fades about the personality and the, the headlines and the, the, the antics, the music endures. Here is a song called Blame Game. features John Legend by Kanye West on Sound Opinions. On the bathroom wall I wrote, I'd rather argue with you than to be with someone else. And dismiss it like get in. I went and found somebody else. Arguing the harvest in the filling show. I'd rather be by myself. Till about 2 a.m. and I call back and I hang up and I start to blame myself. Somebody help. Let's play the play game. I love you more. Perfect, but you made life worth it. Stick around, some real feelings might surface. Been a long time since I spoke to you in a bathroom, gripping you up and choking you. What the hell was I supposed to do? I know you ain't getting this type of from that local dude. And if you are, I hope you have a good time, because I'll definitely be having mine. You ain't gonna see ya. Mogul get emotional every time I hear about other stroking you. Mind say I hit you. They sitting there consoling you. Me to blame for the pain it be poured every time when it rains. 
the blame game. I love you more. Let's play the blame game for sure. That's Blame Game from Kanye West. That is Jim DeRogatis' number two album of the year, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. It was in my top ten as well, Jim. A great album. And I gotta say, people who are saying that somehow in this cookie-cutter, MP3 file, quick hits, no-attention-span generation that we're supposedly in, there has been some incredibly ambitious music made this year. And, and the Kanye album is right at the top of that list. I mean, you look at what the Besner Lakes or Kanye are doing in terms of just stretching out songs LCD sound system the same thing you know creating a a five act concept album yeah creating actual albums and I think this this number one album for both of us this year a rare instance where we both shared a choice for the number one album in the 20 years we've been doing this this has only happened three times and and you could say two because we split (laughs) on Yankees I I know it bothers me a little bit does it bother you (laughs) it does but you know I think it's undeniable at the same time you got to go with your heart and obviously this record both hit us uh, right where it counts. Uh, Janelle Monet, The Arc Android. What a record. 18 tracks. Some people have difficulty with the fact that she's all over the map musically. I mean, she is touching on genres basically spanning the last century. I mean, we're talking back, going back to some big band jazz type stuff from like, the, say, the 20s. Hard funk, you know, the James Brown might have played in the 60s. We've got some new wave. We've got some metal on this record. We've got some balladry. I mean, it, it's it's all over the map. That, to me, Jim, is, is a real strength of this record, that she has this ambition and that she is hopscotching around and yeah. blurring the genre boundaries that way. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. Telling the story of where humanity is going to fit in this technological future, I think she is nothing less than the, the female 21st century George Clinton, in terms of Parliament Funkadelic at its most ambitious. If you haven't heard this record, I I can't imagine you listening and not being impressed by something here, or, like the two of us, by all of it. What are we going to play, Greg? I mean, we'd love to play the whole thing, but what song are we going to highlight? It's hard to just nail one track because there's no one representative track. If you hear it, there's like 17 other tracks that don't sound anything like it on the record. The one unifying factor is her voice and this concept. What I love is her idea of creating this outsider figure. When she talks about this arc android, she's outside of the normal world as we see it. She's created her own world on this record, succeeds completely. Yes, the one track will play uh, to sort of give you a taste of it, but don't take this as gospel because everything else sounds different. Uh, it's Come Alive, The War of the Roses from Janelle Monet's The Arc Android on Sound Opinions. Take 
That is Janelle Monet with Come Alive, The War of the Roses from the Arc Android. 24 years old, Greg. First full album. You and I both picked it as the record of 2010. She can only go great places from here. Either that or we just ruined her career. I don't know. What do we have on the show next week? Jim, we got a visit from our very own Chris Kringle, Andy Serzan, to give us his annual Christmas Spectacular. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Our intern has been Julia Mullen-Gordon, whose album of the year is Sun by Caribou. Our producers, Jason Saldana, Jason chose Kanye West, My Dark Beautiful Twisted Fantasy, and Robin Lynn, she chose Teen Dream by Beach House. And our executive producer, our fearless leader, Tori Southside Malatia. I saw him in the hall, and I didn't want to ask because I was afraid he was going to say that Susan Boyle record. sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hi, this is Greg Zwicky calling from Detroit, Michigan. I just got finished listening to the Turkey Shoot episode. And the complaint that uh, Jim DeRogatis had about many of the albums, and the complaint I hear from him often, is that something wasn't angry, it wasn't dark, it wasn't edgy, it wasn't unhappy. And I don't know about you, I'm 40 years old, I don't have much time in my life left for unhappiness. And I think Jim needs to listen to... uh, some, some Talking Heads or Buddy Holly or something, and get happy. Thanks. Love the show. Bye. Hi, Greg and Jim. This is Carrie in Dallas, Texas, and I just finished listening to your Turkeys of 2010 episode. And boy, was Jim right on the money with sleigh bells. I was on the bandwagon at first, very excited when I saw them on the set list for Coachella this year. We went to the festival, and we were told this band was going to be amazing, and MIA had signed them up. And every time I've ever listened to them, it's just a lot of noise. It is miserable to listen to, even during your podcast. I just wanted to go past it as fast as I possibly could just to get it over with. Every time I hear the start of Crown of the Ground, I just want to cry in tears because it is just noise, awful noise. So I just wanted to thank Jim and say you have a vote on your side from me. Have a great day, guys. You guys have a fantastic show. Hi, Jim and Greg. Um, just listening to the podcast with James Murphy and um, almost jumped out of my seat, which would have been bad since I was driving, when he uh, 
mentioned uh, the guitar part in um, Rock Lobster. I remember years and years ago seeing some type of a, a list, I think it was on Rolling Stone magazine, of the top guitarists, and Ricky Wilson was not on there, and just thinking, that's just crazy, because, I mean, that guitar part is killer, and unfortunately, we lost him young. Anyway, I just uh, really appreciated that, and I can definitely see the, the, the link between the music of the B-52's irreverency and the, the music ship, you know, into LCD sound system, and I, I really appreciated that. My name is Ron Zawicki, and I'm calling from uh, Lombard, Illinois. I always love this show. I've loved it for years. Bye. Hi, this is Laura from Chicago. I had to pull over in the snow to tell you how much I enjoyed your interview with James Murphy of LCD Sound System. What an intelligent, articulate guy. I'm a 54-year-old woman who really wasn't too aware of their music, and I can't wait to go out and experience my first LCD Sound System album. Thank you so much. It was a terrific interview. Keep going, James, and whatever you do. Bye-bye. messages to share your opinions on sound opinions call 888-859-1800 we'll be back next week on sound opinions from wbez chicago and distributed by prx